0: Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax audit and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Colonial Life, providing benefits to employees to help them protect their family, their finances, and their futures. High Point University, the premier life skills university focused on preparing students for the world as it is going to be. and a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. We find ourselves in a very interesting place during this public
1: health care crisis. That is bored and complacent almost about the risks, even though experts tell us not to be so. What if the vaccine really does change everything? Or what if the vaccine is not as effective and this has a longer tail on it? Either way, we will start this discussion right there, and especially right in the middle of the holidays as we end one year and begin another very soon. Please
0: stay with us. We meet our experts and start this dialogue in just a moment. Gratefully acknowledging support by Martin Marietta, a leading provider of natural resource-based building materials, providing the foundation upon which our communities improve and grow. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, health care, rural churches, and children's services. Barings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at Barings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Tendai Capfeedzi of Lending Tree, Sam Conduras of SC Bio, and Karen Reardon from the Myrtle Beach Area Chamber of Commerce.
1: Happy holidays. Welcome again to our dialogue. Nice to see all three of you. You look happy, you look healthy, but let's. Let's start with maybe a non-corporate question and something that's not quite as buttoned down and get a temperature check, no pun intended, on all of you. Karen, start with you first. You know, you are a, um, you're a leader on the Grand Strand in South Carolina, and you, you f- probably feel compelled to lead. But how are you feeling personally? I mean, how do you, how do you wear this idea that we have a uh, public health care crisis? We have some challenges that can't be necessarily articulated.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, I think it's fair to say, Chris, that it, you know the, your emotions run the gamut uh, when you think about March, how I was feeling then compared to now. I will say I'm more cautiously optimistic because I do see some silver linings as we look forward into 2021. But I also feel a lot of pressure uh, based on what you just uh, you know noted. I feel an enormous weight, a lot of responsibility, because tourism is our number one economic uh, driver for the Grand Strand. And so a lot of people are counting on us. And so I take that very personally. Um, and uh, yeah, I do lose sleep over that because I, I, I worry about our fellow citizens, our, our small businesses, our hospitality workers. Um, so yeah, we've I've had the whole range of, of emotions uh, this year, but I'm feeling a little bit better now as we get closer to that ball dropping on
1: 1231. <laughs> yeah, Tendai, Sam, let's bring you into this. You, 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 there's a lot of uncertainty. We, we talk about mental wellness, mental health now. Uh, Tendai, how are you feel? What is, what, what is your personal support network saying to you, and how do you respond to those closest to you?
3: Uh, yeah, I'd say I'm generally starting to feel uh, more optimistic. Uh, I think, you know, there have been a lot of developments uh, that suggest that there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, it's still a very long tunnel, both in terms of uh, health care and in terms of the economy uh, for people in general. Um, I will say that, you know, personally, uh, you know, I'm a new father this year. I'm a father of triplets. Uh, so I have no choice but to be uh, optimistic. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that'll rock your world. Sam, what do you think? Not about his triplets, but in general, how do you feel?
4: <laughs> you know, I feel good. I feel very, uh, very fortunate. And I and I have great concerns about so many of our, our fellow citizens um, and, and some industries have been hit so hard. Uh, the, the year has a surreal quality to it. I think for all of us, it, it, it's just unbelievable. You couldn't mm-hmm. ever foresee or make this up. And I I think the duration of it, um, kind of to Karen's point, I, I think creates some level of anxiety for all of us just because there is uh, just a, a level of uncertainty and life is not, you know, business is not as usual. But, you know, on, on, the, on the, the blessing side, a lot more time with family, dogs uh, have built COVID vegetable gardens and herb gardens and done things that, you know, we wouldn't have done otherwise. And, uh, and frankly, business is very good in the life science world.
1: You know, Tendai, you said something about there's a light at the end of a very long tunnel. And I I remember back in the spring of 2020 here, we were thinking, okay, it'll be summer and we'll be back in and then maybe fall. And now uh, people talk about the summer of 2021 or the fall of 2021. Is is this thing really starts to make sense to us? Do you get the sense that people are are. This fatigue about the same message from public health care officials: wear your mask, safe distancing. Do you think it's being lost on people? And then, and I'm not going to say there's going to be a third or fourth wave, but how does how does that mentally affect people?
3: Uh, yeah, I think we've certainly uh, seen some of that. Um, you know, just in broad public in general, uh, you know, people are kind of you know exhausted from the from the mandates. I will say that at least here in New York City. Uh, you know, a lot of people are still complying uh, with the public health message Um, and I think maybe New York is a little different than other parts of the country in that we got hit early and we got hit hard Um, and you know you really saw the community here uh, come together. Uh, You know people wear masks walking in the park outside without anybody within 20 feet of them. Um, So you know I think it's definitely different in different parts of the country in terms of how people are responding to the public health message uh, from the public health officials. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of stuff got uh, politicized in terms of how you react uh, to you know, this public health crisis. Um, and I don't know if we're ever going to get past that. I think that's probably the biggest risk is that uh, not that people are necessarily tired of the public health message, but the public health message uh, is getting muddied up uh, with the politics.
1: Karen, is this some is there denial that the that that COVID nineteen that this public health care crisis has changed the DNA of how we interact and how we think about the near and the long term?
2: Absolutely, uh, we believe now that some of the things that we've all experienced, uh, you, you know, uh, God willing, that the vaccine is distributed widely, uh, it's still going to change the nature of the hospitality uh, business forever. Um, We're talking now to people that are thinking about building new hotels Mm -hmm. that have exterior corridors. Uh, Just three, four years ago, no one wanted to be in an exterior corridor uh, building. Um, It was considered passe in something of the 50s or the 80s. And now uh, people want fresh air and they want exterior door and they don't wanna be going through a lobby. So I agree too that um, there has been fatigue. Um, One of the specific challenges of hospitality too is you might have fatigue back in Ohio or Pennsylvania, but then you come to the Grand Strand and you are on vacation and you're trying to escape all that pressure and anxiety. So you let your guard down on vacation. Um, And of course we can't allow that. And so we have to continue to remind people that it's still about keeping yourself and your family safe, as well as the hospitality workers and the small business owners. So um, we have definitely wrestled with that all summer and into the fall, um, just trying to get people to understand that it's not over and that we may be wearing masks uh, and most likely will be all the way through the summer of 2021, even when you, as, uh, as uh, he said, you know, you could be on the beach all by yourself uh, but you're still wearing a mask uh, while you're out walking your dog or just taking a walk. Um, and uh, it, it's hard for people to adjust to that mentally. So it, it's, uh, it's ongoing public education effort.
1: S- Sam, I'm gonna use the term hard realization, the hard realization of what the new reality is. It, and I don't mean that necessarily as a bad term. What is the new reality now? And, and I would say as an economic developer, is this bad or good for a state like South Carolina or North Carolina?
4: Well, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap with my answer on on really silver linings, but I, no, I think part of the fatigue issue to reinforce even what what my colleagues are saying is, it, it was this incredible combination of a pandemic worse than any experienced in over a century, at a social justice movement um, that that you know is very important and provocative, and 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 then at a rough and tumble political season, um, you know, leading up to the presidential election. And and unfortunately, I'm going to say it doesn't matter what side of the line you're on, politicization of wearing masks, things like that, that made it even that much harder. So I I think a lot of the the heaviness and fatigue and pessimism um, was spawned by that that really perfect storm of things going on. The new reality is there is light at the end of the tunnel, and I think I think people are actually feeling, even as we're going into a tough winter, and, and it's clear this pandemic's not gonna go away anytime soon, but with real vaccine therapies on the horizon, we've learned so much about this disease and, and, and the ability to treat it. We just gotta make sure our healthcare systems don't get overwhelmed. Again, and while we're opening the, I think most people are committed to, we've got to live with this virus. We just do it vigilantly and as safely as we can and follow the science and keep moving forward with our economy. And I think that, you know, so the life science industry on the economic development side, I think I told you, Chris, while other industries were getting hit hard, we actually have a lot of our companies that have sales 100% above where they were this time last year from respiratory therapies, to PCR test kits for COVID, to face shields, to you name it. So the, the life science industry is getting a lot of attention. And actually there are new tools and wind in the sails like never before to onshore and repatriate a lot of elements of the life science industry that had frankly moved offshore. So um, we're having the most active project uh, pipeline that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Today, go ahead, please
3: on, a, you know, just that discussion around the life sciences industry. Uh, you know, my previous job uh, was at Pfizer where I was deputy chief economist. Um, you know, and I think really one thing that gives me optimism um, is not necessarily the Pfizer vaccine in particular, all these vaccines in general. Uh, you know, just kind of the strength of the human kind of ingenuity uh, and the type of effort that was, that's been put forth, uh, you know, across the board in the life sciences industry, uh, from healthcare workers, and, you know, and Karen, really people in the hospitality industry, who are some of the people who have been most at risk uh, of COVID because of the work environment where they have to interact with so many people. Um, I think, you know, this year has really brought out, you know, the best in a lot of people, has brought out the best of human ingenuity. And I think that's what's moving us forward. what a solution.
1: Tendai, I was going to ask you the question, knowing that very well you were at Pfizer at Big Pharma and you've got a sense of the economics around the deployment of whatever, in, in this case, it's a vaccine. Uh, do, you, do, do you think that, there's a couple of issues around this, um, you think people are desperate for a vaccine, first question. Second question is when a vaccine is viable and deployable and in fact is starting to be. Um, embraced, do you think that that becomes one of those moments in time that is a tipping point and all, I'm going to use this term as well, all of a sudden, the economy comes roaring back?
3: Um, Yeah, I don't think necessarily the economy comes roaring back, but it's certainly a tipping point. So, for example, if you look at the stock market, uh, once we started getting all these vaccine announcements, the stock market really started to rally and it hit new all-time highs. Um, And the stock market and stock investors are always discounting the future. uh, So they're trying to see where the puck is going, right? Uh, So that suggests, you know, a lot of optimism, at least on the part of of investors. I think in terms of the economy, um, you know, we're going to see permanent changes to the economy. Uh, Karen alluded to that. Um, I think, you know, if you look at, uh, we got some jobs data for uh, last month. And what we saw in the jobs data is that. Temporary layoffs are coming down, which means people who were furloughed, et cetera, are finding their way back to their jobs. Uh, but the challenge is that the permanent layoffs of permanent unemployment, uh, sometimes called core unemployment, is actually increasing as, and has been increasing throughout the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, even if we were tomorrow, the vaccine were to appear and the COVID were to disappear completely, uh, the economy has a long way back. There's been a lot of permanent damage done to the economy, uh, but there's also been a lot of innovation that's happening in the economy. So you're going to get a, no- a lot of new businesses, a lot of new industries emerging. Uh, but the labor market, unfortunately, uh, it's going to be several years, I think, even to get back to where we were pre-COVID.
1: Karen, uh, Sam, Sam gave us a kind of an update on the life sciences uh, and biosciences in, in South Carolina and the Carolinas. Uh, there's no surprise that Grand Strand is, is, is a serious driver of tourism in the Carolinas and also uh, nationally as well as internationally a destination. Do, do you feel like Myrtle Beach and the Grand Strand will, will have, will you have to have new measures to measure the success of tourism? First question, second question is when do you think that you can start feeling good as a community about tourism and the return of, of tourism dollars?
2: Well, I think the new measures are already in place. I think we're already looking at metrics that are always about return on on that marketing investment, but more now about um, our returning visitors, for instance. Um, We've had a great metric for the last several years, pre-pandemic, that about 70% of the people who come to the Grand Strand, and for full year 2019, that was 24 million people, uh, they were returning visitors, meaning they make memories and they come year over year sometimes several times a year at different seasons, peak, but also in the fall and in the spring and so forth. Um, we've been very, very focused on conquest uh, for the last couple of years, You know, bringing that new visitor um, in. I think you're gonna see us in recovery mode in 2021 and 2022, really focusing on bringing back those customers who already know Myrtle Beach, who already appreciate the Grand Strand, um, and we're staying closer to home. And we've already started doing that. Um, our fall campaign, Uh, basically signaled, we're ready when you're ready. And if that's this September and October and November uh, and going into the holiday, great. If that's not until March, we want you to be dreaming about the Grand Strand and making those plans now um, and committing to those. Uh, One early sign that uh, it's resonating is first of all, our September uh, month is going to end up being our best month of the year. Um, which I think is is very intriguing. Um, It actually beat occupancy uh, records for uh, 2019, uh, so previous records. And last week, we mounted a cyber campaign, which we've never done, but we decided let's talk about giving the gift of travel. We had a 400% increase to our website on Cyber Monday of people looking at how can we plan and dream and make that trip. We may not take it, June, yeah. but we're going to it now because that's how much pent-up demand, and you know, we talked again a little bit about m- mental health, it's how much they need to have something on the books to look forward to, and so that planning and dreaming is happening now, even though people are still concerned, worried, trying to stay safe, maybe sequestering, maybe not traveling for the holidays the way they normally do. Um, the desire is still there. And so that's what gives me a lot of hope and optimism that um, especially the second half of 2021 um, could be quite good for us because we are a drive market for so many great states around the Carolinas. Uh, and because we know that the preferred mode, uh, you know, again, is, is the car, is that personal vehicle. And that's been a hallmark of, of Myrtle Beach visitors. So
1: I, I don't want to be too sensational about this. And Sam, I promise I'm going to give you a chance to talk about the forecast going forward, because I know you've got a lot of optimism there. But Karen, back to, back to you just for a second. How much, and I don't want to be sensational or dramatic about this, but how much anxiety, how much dread is there within the hospitality industry, even now in South Carolina and in specifically in the Grand Strand?
2: There's a lot of concern. Uh, We know that we're going to lose certain businesses. They're not going to have, as I've been saying, um, and forgive the agrarian uh, analogy, but there's no grain in the barn. Uh, They did not have the summer revenue-wise and occupancy-wise that they needed in the hotel business, the golf business, the retail business, the attractions business, the restaurant business. Uh, Those are our big five in hospitality. And so Going into these lean months of December, January, February, there's nothing stored. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally, they would have made hay when that sun was shining, and they just don't have that. And so, uh, there is anxiety and there is concern, um, and we expect that there will be consolidation. Uh, you know, and uh, those that can persevere and are resilient. And able to take advantage of PPP and other uh, tools and, and uh, fiscal stimulus um, are going to be able to emerge from this. But uh, there is absolutely um, concern. Um, it, you know, our best forecast is that we will look at ending this year negative 42 percent down. Wow. So just savor wow. that for negative 42 percent down. Um, it is a shocking number. Um, but again, this this economy is resilient and it does know how to claw its way back and we're already seeing that happen right
1: Sam how does that how does that wash over you when you hear Karen talking about tourism the grand strand and that kind of loss this year so far um how do you feel about that
4: I mean it's it's been a concern for all of us that are in the economic development community I mean seeing seeing the way the retail industry hits so hard and, and South Carolina tourism and agriculture are really you know the top of our economy so, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm more optimistic even even having a place on the coast and seeing the way it there is pent-up demand. People want to be there. I, 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 I You know, I, and I'm seeing real estate uh, values climb again and, and get gobbled up. I think um, I, I hope we can deliver some silver lining, you know, on, on the other side that helps. You know, gratefully, our unemployment rate, which got as high as 15% percent at the you know the worst part of the lockdown is back to 4.2 percent that's only about two two and a half percent you know higher than it was pre-pandemic level so i think it you know we're showing we're showing a lot of resilience and i think i think the comeback will be real i think ironically i think south carolinians are more compliant now than than we were months ago there's fatigue but i think people want to um keep opening this economy and are willing to do it, you know, uh, try to live a little more safely to do so. I think in our our industry, what was interesting was this extraordinary wake up call really for America that at the worst of the pandemic, I think data points that had never really been recognized before of quote, 95% of all vitamin C is produced offshore. 97% of every antibiotic we take in America is produced largely in China. We're offshore, over 90% of all active pharmaceutical ingredients. While we have remained the great innovator of the life science industry, we really gave away a lot of the advanced manufacturing and production, and those global supply chain issues have created serious concern. And so we are seeing very real uh, projects moving in, and I think that's going to be one of those things that will help uh, diversify our economy further and, and help, help this economy recover.
1: Yeah, Tendai, there seems to be, it seems to be counterintuitive as as we're having this discussion here, and even in these cocktail conversations that we all have, maybe virtual cocktail conversations, but the idea that folks feel the way they do, however, as Sam just said, unemployment rate in South Carolina is hovering close to four, North Carolina's come down, it's around seven and some change, but those numbers kind of run against and counter to how people are feeling. How, how, How do you explain that out?
3: Uh, Yeah, so with a lot of the data, um, because it's been such a disruption in the economy, um, a lot of the data you have to get kind of beyond the headline and you have to look at the underlying data. um, And you have to be a little cautious in how you interpret it, right? So, for example, uh, the unemployment uh, has been coming down, uh, but you're only unemployed if you're in the labor market, right? So if you're participating in the labor market or you're trying to find a job. Uh, If you decide that things are so bad that, you know, I've been sitting at home for months, I'm just not even going to bother, then you don't count in the unemployment rate, uh, but you are not employed and you're not earning income. Uh, So, you know, for example, with the unemployment rate uh, that just came out uh, for November, uh, it actually came down, but there was a much bigger drop in the number of people who are actually active in the labor force. Uh, So, you know, the unemployment rate can decline for bad reasons. Um, So, you know, that's kind of, that's one factor. Um, And then another factor is uh, a lot of economists right now we're talking about, you know, normally when you have a recession, people talk about, oh, are we having a V-shaped recovery? Are we having a U-shaped recovery? Uh, You know, this year we're in the realm of the K-shaped recovery, where there's been a disparity in that, you know, there's one segment of the population that's doing relatively well, uh, which is people who have, you know, the type of jobs that they can work from home, Uh, kind of information technology jobs, knowledge type jobs. Uh, And then there's people who are doing very badly. uh, And those are people who have to work in jobs where you have human contact, human interaction, uh, industries such as hospitality, which has been hit really hard. Uh, So we have a case-shaped recovery where one part of the population is seemingly doing really well. And you see that, for example, in the booming housing market. Uh, And another population is doing really bad. And you see that in this kind of you know, almost 40 million people who are uh, behind on their rent or struggling to pay their rent and at risk of eviction uh, come January 1st unless these moratoriums are extended. Uh, yeah, so the economy, it's, you know, it's really hard to interpret right now. It's sending a lot of mixed signals. Um, I would say overall, uh, my main concern is for that down leg of the K uh, where you have a lot of people who are in a lot of distress um, and still need a lot of help from the government, really need the economy to come back really strong, much stronger than it's been doing so far. Uh, the upper half of the K is doing great.
1: Uh, Karen, we have about a minute left, but I do want to get back to you on the Grand Strand. Grand Strand, along with Charleston, uh, along with Raleigh, Charlotte, upstate South Carolina, have all been hotspots around real estate. I'm assuming that that is still a bright spot in Myrtle Beach and, and surrounding Absolutely,
2: county. yes. Real estate is absolutely booming. And again, uh, interestingly, when all of the politicization was going on earlier in the year with governors telling folks to not come to South Carolina, North Carolina, um, we're seeing that a lot of the new movers to the Grand Strand in particular are coming from New York and New Jersey, um, which I find uh, terribly ironic. Um, And they're not buying second homes. They're buying primary homes and relocating um, to the Carolinas. So um, again, they're, they're seeing they can work anywhere. Now, now, why not work somewhere beautiful along the coast and, and uh, conduct their business? So that is a bright spot. And construction, again, absolutely booming.
1: Yeah. Okay. Karen, thank you. Uh, love your color, by the way, Karen. Happy holidays to you. That red is, is, is really popping. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Karen, nice Bye. to see you. Sam, nice to see you. Uh, Tendai, okay. thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thank you all for watching. Uh, certainly happy holidays to you. If you have any questions or comments, we encourage and welcome those at carolinabusinessreview.org.
0: Uh, thank you. Our best and safest to you. Take care. Good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by High Point University, Martin Marietta, Colonial Life, The Duke Endowment, Bearings Grant Thornton Sanoko Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina and by viewers like you thank you